Hey, this is Kat Lee, and you're listening to the How They Blog podcast, where I take you behind the scenes with inspiring bloggers and show you how to build a blog that makes a difference. After you listen to this episode, head over to howtheyblog.com for all the show notes, more interviews, and resources to help you grow your blog. Hey, welcome to another episode of the How They Blog podcast. Today, we're chatting with Haley Morgan, and this girl is spinning some plates. She has conference and a whole community network. She has a clothing company and a blog and all kinds of things happening, plus just a few kids and a family and all that stuff. And today we're talking about how to be a blogger who takes action. It's easy to learn stuff and take things in, but sometimes there's fear and there is insecurity that keeps us from actually taking action on the things that we want to do and that Really, we know we have the skills to do. And we're going to be chatting about that with Haley today. Now, before we get into our conversation, I did want to mention that usually at the beginning of every month, I open up a few blog coaching spots. Now, this is the month of May, and if your life is anything like mine, it's a little crazy with school winding down. So I'm only opening just a couple coaching spots this month. So if you're wanting to get in this month so that you can work on a few things over the summer, Now is the time to do it because there aren't very many spots opening for this month just because there's so much going on. If you want to learn more about that, you can just go to howtheyblog.com forward slash coaching. Now let's dive into our conversation with Haley Morgan. Hey, Haley, how are you doing today? Hi, Kat. I'm really good. It's finally warming up here. So that makes me like a totally different person. Now, where, where is here? Uh, I live in Indianapolis, so it was like, I think we had like five and a half months where the temperature did not get over 70 degrees, or did not reach 70 degrees. Oh. um, It was like the longest, most exceptional winter ever. I think I didn't even realize how like in the dumps I'd gotten until it started like thawing out outside and the sun shining. So I am a happy camper today. I can imagine. I don't think I do well with long winters. I need sunshine, even though I get tired of it in Texas sometimes, but I I need sunshine. Uh, Well, before we dive into today, we're going to be talking about being, what's a good phrase, being a blogger who takes action. I'm going to think of something catchier for the actual title, (laughs) but we're just going to talk all about how we can actually do stuff because we we listen to maybe you listen to a lot of podcasts maybe we read lots of blog posts about how to do things but mm-hmm. we don't often take that action and I'd like to dive into how we can do that maybe some thoughts on why we don't yeah and um, but before we do all that I would love for you to tell everybody listening about you and how you got started blogging Okay, I um, blog at thetinytwig.com, and I started blogging back in, I think, 2005, not at Tiny Twig, but at, like, I call them grandma blogs, where (laughs) you have your baby and you want your mom that lives far away to be able to see every cute little thing that they do. So I did that, and um, but I was kind of watching this scene of people that were starting to do this as like a thing. Like I saw um, a lot of craft bloggers that were um, selling things or one particular little subset were getting book deals. And I kind of saw that they were using this avenue as a way to 
um, I don't know if it was further their career or do something different than what they'd ever thought they could do. So I kind of started watching and thinking that it was particularly interesting, like sociologically interesting. Um, but I didn't th- really think I could do it myself. Um, I'm not sure why I didn't think I could do it. Um, I had a new baby at the time and I kind of was really interested in reading other people's um, new parenting stories and that sort of thing. And then um, finally I decided like, okay, enough sitting on the sidelines. The longer I sit on the sidelines, the um, the further I'm going to get away from these new, these early adapters, these people who are kind of on the leading edge of things. And it's going to be harder and harder to make a name for myself. So then I started Tiny Twig and it started out um, as I was going to do 52 adventures um, to live a more passionate life. So I had things like drive to the beach with my kids by myself, or we lived in Charlotte, North Carolina at the time. Or, I was going to um, say, that's, uh, a, that's a long drive. <laughs> that's a long drive from Indianapolis. Um, I, but I have done that myself um, living here too. And um, yeah, another one was like buy coats for um, the homeless. We were having like a crazy cold snap in Charlotte. Uh, another one was like over tip a waiter, go in and buy a coffee and tip them 20 bucks or whatever. Um, so it was all these little things that were meant to kind of just jumpstart my creativity or my um, engagement with the world because I was really feeling that isolation of being a new mom and especially living in a city where we didn't have family, didn't have a lot of friends. So um, that was kind of the start of Tiny Twig. And then I actually met at church. I met Michael and Smith, who the nester, mm-hmm. I don't sure your listeners know about Michael and, and from there, I kind of saw what she was doing in her family and how that was actually a thing for their family, that it was part of the way that they provided for their children. And so then it kind of just snowballed. I um, did a 30-day series on the no-brainer wardrobe. And then I would say that was really like the turning point for my blog of where finally it had that moment where it kind of gained some traction. Well, and then you didn't just stop there. Now you have, I mean, I almost can't keep track. I was taking some notes and preparing for this interview and it's hard to keep track of everything yeah, that you it, do. What has that, what has it expanded to? Um, well, we did the no brainer wardrobe and that kind of falls under tiny twig. Um, but then we started, um, my part, one of my business partners and I, Jesse Connolly, she blogs at naptime diaries, but we started a conference called the Influence Net or the Influence Conference, and um, it is about making your online life mean something. So, um, just encouragement for women mostly, and we wouldn't say like it's exclusively people involved with social media, although that is the majority, and also people who own handmade shops and do business online. And then we realized, oh, these people, actually they want to stay connected with everybody all year long. So we started a network, a membership network um, with those women. And so we run that. And then recently, like just this past month, my husband and I started a new ethical children's clothing line. So that's kind of our new baby. And that is, that's the outlier. That's the first thing that really... Um, it isn't all like a digital product. Mm. So um, that feels new and that feels totally different and scary, but exciting. So it's funny. You say like, well, that's not all. You didn't stop there. (laughs) And that's kind of my 
my problem, if we're talking about starting, like just this week, I was like, hey, babe, what would you think about getting a couple ducks? <laughs> I think ducks would be great for um, like eggs and it'd be good for the kids to be around. And he just kind of lets me go. He lets me like work it out in my head. And by, I think last night I was like, I don't really think I have the margin for ducks right now. Huh? Um, so I do have to be careful that I am, I'm, I'm selective about what I start because I would be a starter all day long but um you can't just or you have to keep things going too so. so so how do you select how do you decide what to focus on and what not to focus on um well I've made I've made missteps along the way so it's definitely not like a a science that I've perfected but Generally, I look at the way that our family is at during that season, and if it's something that fits within our family, that's like my first my first thought. And then I try to see does it fit with the um, place I see our life in like ten years. I have a really like crazy, silly, specific vision of like something I want our family to do in about ten years, and so I always um, kind of like line it up to that and say, is this getting us to that point or is it detracting? And then I also line it up with what I know to be true about my current branding within um, kind of my online world. And it doesn't always, it's not always a perfect match on all of those, but that's kind of the way that I go systematically through things. And how did you decide what your branding is? Was that something well, that you hired somebody to help you do? Was it something that you just sat down and decided? Is it something that evolved? Um, I think it's always, I think the heart of it's always been the same, but the how of it has um, evolved. It, when I started Tiny Twig, it was called Tiny Twig Goes Out on a Limb, and it was um, 52 Adventures for the Passionate Life, I think is what, kind. I think that's what like the tagline was when I started. And then... As I kind of wrote more and grew into my voice, the whole idea of more passion and less fuss became big in my voice because I was finding as I was doing these, um, as I was doing these adventures, like that meant that like other things had to not get done. Like if I was driving my kids to the beach one day, like my husband was probably going to get the takeout that I picked up on the way home, mm-hmm. you know, and that was going to have to be okay. So, um, that realization came that like, I can't just, I can't just lead women towards living a more passionate life if I don't also help them figure out how to give up some of the things that aren't important in the things that they ultimately want to see come out of their life. Um, like if I was wanting to be a professional chef, like picking up takeout for my husband probably wouldn't line up with, (laughs) um, with what my, my passions were, but is not important to me in that season of my life. So, um, and I think that actually like came during my first like big girl rebrand of my blog. And, um, I hired a designer to work on it for me, but not like the, not the more passion and less fuss thing, just the look of it. Mm -hmm. Um, I did, I've never hired anybody for my, um, for my, branding as an idea. I've hired people for branding as design goes. Um, but I always think I want to like hire a brand strategist or something like that. But I'm normally disappointed when I work with like gurus or whatever. Um, 
Because I think it's normally true that they can't tell you something that you wouldn't have figured out yourself. Right. And um, I think so much of it is the process of figuring it out. Mm -hmm. And normally I leave a little bit like, oh, well, I already knew that. I just wasn't acting on it. Right. And so um, not that I don't think it's valuable to have people speak into your life in that way. Um, I just think you have to be careful with Mm -hmm. The way that you look to people to do that. There's no magic bullet. There's nobody that's going to be able to tell you like, oh, this is how you should communicate to the people who follow you. Mm -hmm. This is the change you should make. And if there are those people, they're normally like your close friends that have been watching you anyway. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. They're the people who can see the way that your voice has changed or that maybe even your readership has changed. Yeah, I totally agree. I would say one of the biggest values that I've seen in coaching, whether it's life coaching, blog coaching, business coaching, isn't really even to have somebody to speak into. I mean, and sometimes obviously that's helpful depending on where you are, but even more so to keep you accountable to, because a lot of times people who love us and know us are a lot more hesitant to keep us accountable. But I have found that I am perfectly willing to pay somebody to do nothing but keep me accountable because I know what I need to do. I know what I want to do. I just need to stick with it and get yep. it done. I totally agree. I think that that's the hardest thing um, is to is the follow through and the sticking with it. And I read somebody. I don't. Uh, I'm gonna totally like not give credit to the person that. But this is not my idea. It but was some, me. Yes, it was you. It was you. <laughs> um, somebody I was talking to. I think maybe it was Jeff Goins. Um, okay. He was talking about how. By the time you're sick of talking about something, your readers are just starting to pick it up Mm, and they're just starting to understand. And for me, I mean, that's tedious because there's things I feel like I've been talking about forever. And I think like, gosh, people are going to think I'm like a one trick pony that this is all I have to say. Or um, maybe I've moved on in my personal life and it's hard for me to have discipline to keep talking about that main thing. Um, but I think that's so true. So important. Well, it's true really across the board. I used to work in the music industry and, you know, our artists would come, I worked at a radio station and we put on a lot of events and artists would come, they'd go up and sing their big hit song and everybody loved it. And then they would get off stage and they'd just be like, oh, it's so hard to sing that song because I've sung it so many times. And, and occasionally they would go up and sing it a little differently just because it was fun for them. But then everybody yeah. in the audience was like, no, we want to hear yeah. it just like it was on the album. Yeah. Do it the studio way, okay? Right, right. Or, you know, you know, different actors or actresses. I had Candace Cameron Bray on the Inspired to Action podcast a while back. And if you go on her Instagram, every single picture she posts, somebody says, I love Full House. And she is so much more than Full House Yes. now. But people just always go back to that. And, yeah. and it's... You know, and it's your bread and butter, whatever you say over and over again. It's part of who you are and who you've become and who you've become in the lives of the people that follow you. And so I think that's that's so very true. And that's part of the element, I would guess, of success, just to be able to push beyond that so that the focus isn't just about what's fun for us, but what is truly beneficial to the people that are following us. I think so, too. And I think um, if we were talking about, like, starting and how to kind of Um, make things happen in your life. That is um, something that I have to be very careful about because I am an idea person by nature and I'm 
a starter by nature. And I think my interests change on a whim. Like as I was talking about the ducks thing, like probably if I let that go far enough and if my hands were idle enough and I didn't have four kids and a billion other things to do, (laughs) I would probably have like a duck blog on Monday. (laughs) Like, and so I have to be really disciplined and really careful not to, um, not to lead my readers on too many different rabbit trails. Mm -hmm. So So I'm super interested in the fact that you started several things mm-hmm. and they're actually not really related. So you started a blog and then you, I mean, they're related, but they're all very, very different. So you started a blog, then you wrote an ebook, which is a different skill set. Then you started a blog conference. Then you started a community site. Then you started a clothing line. Yeah. What has the learning process been in that process, in the course of all those things? And then how did you take the step beyond the learning process in order to actually do it? Yeah. Well, I think for me, the learning process is the fun part for me. So I think that that is um, probably why they're like disparate, um, I don't know, platforms. I, platform's not the right word, but um, skill sets. Um, I do enjoy like learning. I enjoy researching and that sort of thing. Um, I think that for me, it's really important in our businesses not to go into debt. So to learn all of those different things meant me like sitting on the computer late at night, figuring it out. Um, but as I would, they all, any of those things kind of feed each other in a way that isn't apparent at first, but they're all skills that are important for each, each kind of thing that I do. So it's, important that I can learn new things, but retain kind of those big ideas that I can keep with all of the, all the arms of what I do. Mm -hmm. I kind of think it's, um, my husband and I were drawing out kind of like a map last night of all of the entities that we have and kind of how they interrelate and how they play off of each other. And it was just interesting to look at, um, kind of the ones that have like, like tiny twig is my hub. Like that's my personal brand. Um, and it's always probably going to be that thing that changes with me. And I feel comfortable with that because I, I'm always changing. Um, it's not ever probably going to have like the highest traffic. Um, it's not ever going to be the highest trafficked blog because it's not, uh, I don't think that it is tight enough to, to keep people where they're, um, where they're always coming back or it doesn't have a million pinnable things or that sort of thing, but people who, have come along for the story, they are interested to see where it goes next. Right. Um, so that that is there. And so that's always like the thing that we can come back to. But then each one of those things kind of is like a springboard off of Tiny Twig and kind of um, we have hopes for certain parts of them to eventually kind of spin off and not be under my brand forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it's been really interesting. Like with the conference, it is like a it's event planning. I mean, almost through and through. And so that, um, that was its own thing, but how we moved past the idea and the learning and the starting into the actual daily maintenance is generally once I have an idea and then get it up and running, we generally find somebody to come and kind of maintain and keep the day to day going. So that, 
that's kind of our process. So is that something that you're able to do because of income you already had happening from your ebooks, or was that something that people did on a volunteer basis or how Um, did that work? We have, um, well, tiny twig doesn't have any, I have a VA that I pay hourly for tiny twig and she just kind of does some little things here and there, but I don't have a lot of help with tiny twig because I don't have a lot of stuff going on there. Um, with the influence network and the influence conference, we have, there's a team of six of us and, um, everybody is paid, not everybody. I mean, it's not like a full-time position or anything, but that was something that was really important to me was that people were paid for their time. And I don't know why it was so important to me because I certainly don't think there's anything wrong with volunteering. I give my time in a lot of areas and I don't feel resentful about it or frustrated, but it was always really important to me to be able to pay women for their time. Um, within the influence network, we do online classes and, um, I think it was like the first half of the year last year, which was our first full year in existence. I think we paid out like 10 or $12,000 to, um, the women who were teaching our classes online. So that felt like a huge win to me to be able to say to, to the teachers, like your time is valuable and we're grateful. Um, we're grateful for that time. So, um, and that is like solely just because the people in the influence network community are just super supportive and they love learning new things and hearing kind of from the leaders who kind of rise up within that community. Mm-hmm. So that is um, how that kind of goes. And there's because it's a membership site and also a conference, it there are different parts that it's the conference is seasonal. So there's different parts that kind of feed each other that let us keep that kind of running and going. Right. Um, and that has been a huge that's been a great thing because it allows us all to kind of work different business muscles. And um, for the first year, we were just really trying to like get this thing going and get it off the ground. And, um, there were a lot of days where we looked around the internet and it was hard not to compare or not to say like, Oh, but so-and-so is doing this new flashy thing. And to not want to jump ship and go do something new and flashy. That's always my, um, that's always my temptation is to not, not stick it out, not see it through. And so for me, it was a lot of going back every day and being like, this is what we've committed to. And it's been great because they're actual names and people that I've committed Mm -hmm. to community site. So that's been great. Um, And then with Wildly Co., our kids line, that's kind of our new challenge because it's our first um, business that we have started where we need, we have production costs up front aside from like a basic um, aside from a basic web design or things like that, it's the first thing where we have a product that we have to uh, manufacture. So that changes things with cash flow and things like that. So that's kind of our newest, um, thing we're learning about our newest hurdle to tackle. Um, everything else I've kind of been able to bootstrap and figure out how to do myself. I have, I mean, I think with the influence network site, that was the first time that I paid a developer to develop a a WordPress site for us um, mm-hmm. that I totally, I didn't do anything but tell them the, like what I liked. Right. Um, so that's the first like big expense that we did for that. But that was, uh, that was from money that had already come in. This is the first thing where it's like, I actually don't know how to do, I don't know how to, how to sew clothes. <laughs> <laughs> 
I cannot do that with my own two hands. So that is, um, it's been my first thing that I, um, I'm looking at not as something that I can learn and something I can like tackle myself, but that we have to, we have to really learn how to have a supply chain and brand partners and Mm -hmm. things like that. So, um, we're excited, but we can already tell it's definitely a much bigger learning curve. Yeah, that's that's good. I, I want to touch on one thing you said, and then I have another question for you. But ah. um, you, you talked about sticking it out. And I wonder if taking action, actually, if a better phrase would be sticking it out. Because so many people, we, we all start things. Yeah. Um, you know, at least in our heads, or we start working on it uh, on, you know, we start building a website or something. But then we see that somebody yeah. else does something, and it's just so much easier to jump ship Yep. And change directions. But if, you know, the whole, you know, what is it? The tur- tortoise and the hare. Yeah. And if you just stick it out and don't, you know, stop and take a nap or, and it's not even about stopping and starting. It's just about really redirecting. But if we just stay focused and continue on the path that we thought sounded good at the very beginning and just sticking it out, I think a lot of times it just ends up resulting in being a person of action who does, you know, a, a lot of big things. Now, I'm curious to know if, in the process of each of these different things, were you ever were you ever afraid? Were you ever afraid that it would fail, or do you just kind of just jump in with both feet and you're like, "This is going to be great"? Um, it's kind of a twofold answer. Um, with a lot of our other entities before, we didn't have money invested into it, so there was not that fear of failure. Um, I. Um, maybe had like a tiny fear of failure about like losing face or maybe that, um, I, whatever capital, whatever relational capital or, um, clout that I had garnered, maybe that that would go away. Um, so maybe I had a tiny fear of that, but I think overall I'm an optimist by nature Mm -hmm. and I I think my parents really instilled in me and my grandfather too that I can figure out most any problem that almost everything is figure outable and especially um with the internet I mean you can learn so many things on your own without so much for free I mean there's so many free learning resources and so I think I I always feel like well, I can figure out most any problem um and if I don't know then somebody that I know knows And so that has always kind of been my mindset, no matter what I've done in life. But I do have to say that with this new Wildly Co thing, there is definitely that um, big eyes about like, oh, so this is like a, this feels (laughs) like, I think because there's money tied to it on the front end, I think that feels um, riskier to me. I don't know. So, um so yeah, I would say that right now we're definitely battling the resistance a little bit. Just that feeling of like, well, maybe this isn't a good idea and maybe we shouldn't do this. Um, but I really think like I went to school for business. So for me, um, flexing these muscles and learning these things, um, like this is important to me to like figure out in the real world how the things I learned in school really play out. So um so it's an adventure to me. I think it'll be interesting. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. It's gonna be great. Well, it's gone really well so far. I'm curious. So how do you how do you balance all of it? So you have all these different wheel the- or plates spinning, I guess. Yeah. And then you you have four not so small kids. 
Yeah. How do you, how do you, and balance is a, probably a misnomer, but how do you, in some sense, stay on top of it all? Yeah. Well, I think for me first is most important that I have an intimate relationship with my kids. Um, and obviously my husband, but I, when I see in my mind's eye, like what I want our life to look like as our kids get older, I want them to know that I spent time with them. I want them to, um, I want us to be intimate because of the hours that we put in to um, the relationship. So that's always going to be, um, if there's a default, that's always going to be the thing that I that I go back to. Um, and I think for me, that's really comforting because if there's a choice between the two, I never feel like I'm sacrificing um, success or um, achievement because I know that ultimately, like, to have the life that I want my life to look like in 10 to 20 years that my kids and my time with my kids are going to be, that's going to be the most important. Um, so that, that's kind of that, but then the actual getting things done and the, um, balancing it and that sort of thing. I do have a VA and that helps a lot. It helps, um, it, we set it up hourly so that that way, if there's a slow week, then it's not a big deal. Um, but if things get busy and pile up, then, you know, she is there to help too. So that is helpful from the end of um, Tiny Twig and kind of, she kind of dabbles in a couple little other things um, on a project basis within the other entities. Um, the Influence Network and the Influence Conference almost, I mean, they are, our team is so good at um, just operating in a really healthy dynamic. So that's been great. The first year we put a lot of time into building our team. And um, I would say this in 2014 has been the first time where I've really seen like our team, like really run the whole first team or the whole first year was really just putting a lot of relational equity or capital into them. And so it's been fun to see in 2014 to kind of like look back and look at my calendar and realize, Oh, I don't have as many day-to-day responsibilities anymore as I did last year because our team is running in their functions. So that's how that part works. And then wildly, we're still figuring it out. I mean, we just launched it April 1st. Um, we're looking at what that looks like to have, um, is that something that just I do? Or is it something that my husband and I do together? Is it something, I mean, we're still figuring all of that out. And so that'll be, like I said, it's a whole new animal and a whole new thing to figure out. But I'm really excited um, to figure it out because I think it's something that is different than what a lot of people kind of in the circles that I run in than what they've done before. And I'm like always the one who will volunteer to like jump off the diving board first. <laughs> um, so I'm totally willing to be the guinea pig and figure it out along the way. Um, but I think it is I digital products and things like that are great, but there's something about holding something in your hand. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why people are still um, – still drawn to traditional publishing and things like that. There's still something um, time honored and long lasting about holding a product in your hand. So I kind of feel like that's kind of where my heart is right now. So we'll see. But um, yeah, I also have a nanny that comes for, um, she normally comes for like 12 hours a week. And that has been really helpful. There was a season after Christmas until just like two weeks ago where our, we didn't have a nanny. Our nanny um, had to leave and she started a new job. Um, and 
it, I didn't realize until gosh, probably like last week, how little I was able to, um, to be the person I wanted to be because I didn't have that help. I was working when I was with the kids. I was trying to have meetings while I was holding a baby. Like every, every line was blurred and I wasn't able to do any of it well. So, um, that has been a huge help too. So how much do you work every week in general? Um, I would say I work probably, it's really hard. I need to do like one of those time inventory things. <laughs> I think that's probably like the wisest thing any of us could do. But um, I would say I probably work 20 to 25 hours a week of like actual like in front of the computer time. Um, I do a lot of like thinking in other times mm-hmm. um, and kind of strategizing and putting things into place Um mentally. And then that's kind of like my first thing I do the next day is kind of like put those into play. So I would say my brain is always on about it, but, um, like actual sitting down and working time is probably, I'd say it's like a solid part-time amount of work. Are you pretty good about sitting down and churning out the work when you're sitting down to work? Or do you feel like you have to you know, kind of gear up for it? Or do you take little breaks? I'm just, I'm just curious about. Yeah, I normally even when I'm the kind of person, like I like to see my life as like a holistic thing. Like, I don't think I would be happy if I was sitting up in an office somewhere like away from everybody. So normally, even when I am working, I'm like at the kitchen table and I'm like getting drinks for people and doing that sort of thing. And I think that's when I'm, um, when I'm most creative and when I'm most like alive is when I'm within a normal, um, life rhythm. So for me that works, but I know for my husband, he would be like, no, I can't focus on anything. Um, let me go sit in an office somewhere. I'm with your husband. You're like, that's when I'm most creative for me. That's when I would be most annoyed. (laughs) Yes. And it's not that I do like the best work then. Um, definitely like if I'm doing meetings and things like that, then I'm definitely, um, like I'm not with my kids, but I do like to have a little, um, normalcy and, um, just like normal life running around while I'm working. So, and I do a lot too, like in the hours between like seven thirty and like nine o'clock in the evening, like right after our kids have gone to bed mm-hmm. and then before my husband and I kind of start like our evening together. And that I would say is like my most productive time. I don't do it very often, but when I do, I'm always amazed like, Oh, I got so much done or like, I felt so clear headed. So I kind of, I do not, I'm the least routine person you'd ever meet. So um, don't ever do things the same way. I guess that would be the answer. (laughs) Very cool. Okay. So for everybody listening, if they're afraid to take action, they have all these big ideas. What is one encouragement you would say to them that might help them get over the hump, over the fear of actually moving forward in whatever their dreams or their goals are? Yeah, I think um, just start something, just make the first step. And even if the first step is just, um, you know, maybe you have an idea, maybe you have a lot of things done, but you need to just get it going. Maybe it's calling the small business association and figuring out how you get your LLC or whatever. Um, I think just starting and knowing that your first start doesn't have to be perfect. You can change things. You can, um, iterate differently. You can, nobody's gonna remember. And that's the thing. Um, 
I mean, so many of us are doing so many things out there that not many of us are paying attention to everything each other is doing. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's just important to um, hold your success kind of with an open hand. But I realized to do that, that you have to have low risk in your starting. And that is also something that because I am a starter and because I do have lots of ideas, um, I think my husband and I have kind of whittled down a way that works for our family is um, like I can start a lot of things, but the risk has to be small. And I'm comfortable with that because it allows me to really truly say like, okay, so if this fails, it's, you know, it would stink and it would probably be a blow to my ego and it would probably, um, you know, it would be a bummer, but in the end, in the end, it's not going to matter a year from now or whatever. So I think just starting, even if it's imperfect and just, um, having the people around you who will, um, who will be okay in the imperfection and who aren't gonna, um, who aren't gonna hold you to this standard of perfection right out the gate. So good. So good. Haley, where can everybody find you online? Can you give us some links? Yeah, I, my main hub is the tiny twig and it's the tiny twig.com. And then I'm also the tiny twig on pretty much every social media, um, outlet. I love Instagram. I love Pinterest. Those are my faves. Um, and then I have the influence network.com. That's our community site. And then I have wildlyco.com, which is W I L D L Y C O.com. So, um, that is our kids apparel line and that is a work in progress and it's, it's growing. And that's one of those things where if you want to watch me start something and you want to see how I start imperfectly and iterate from there, that would be a great, um, kind of place to watch. Cause I'm, I mean, I'm living out what I'm talking about mm-hmm. well, in we, that aspect. We might have to have you back on the show to give us some updates on how that's going and some behind the scenes stuff, because technically this blog is about, I mean, this podcast is about blogging, but yes. it's all just so interrelated, everything that we do online. And and I, I think that very few people who are successful bloggers are successful bloggers just because they're good at blogging. It's because they they understand the whole picture of business, of psychology, of relating to people, of serving people, and, yep. and, and structure and automation and all that sort of stuff. So we'll have to have you back on to see how things are going and maybe a few lessons that you learn along the way. I would love that. Yay. Well, thank you for taking time out of your very busy schedule and sharing some of your wisdom with us today, Haley. I appreciate it. I love chatting with you, Kat. Thanks so much. All right. We'll talk to you later. See ya. Bye. Bye. Well, that's it for this episode of the How They Blog podcast. Thank you so much for listening. You know, I'd love to know how I can help you. My goal for this show is to help you build a blog that makes a difference. You have words and wisdom that others need to hear, and it's my job to help you spread your message. So if you have any ideas, suggestions, or questions for me, just head over to howtheyblog.com, click the contact button, and send me an email. I would love to hear from you. And if you enjoyed this episode and you want to share the love, I'd appreciate it if you'd leave a rating or a review on iTunes. If you don't know how to do that, just visit howtheyblog.com forward slash love, and I'll show you how. As always, for all the show notes, more interviews, and other resources to help you grow your blog, head over to howtheyblog.com. And until next time, this is Kat Lee, and you've been listening to the How They Blog podcast.